Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 2, Episode 19, In Christ. And the reason that I made this title and the reason that I want to talk about this subject today is because, unfortunately, I feel like in the religious world, there seems to be this idea that there are two sides. There are those who are in Christ and there are those who are out of Christ. There are those who take the up elevator after they die and those who take the down elevator after they die. And as you know, uh, I've ranted quite a bit on how I feel about the cosmic elevator at the end of our lives. You know how I feel about hell as a, uh, as a destination or as a place of eternal torment and, uh, you know, things of that nature. But even to kind of a lesser degree, it seems like there's this idea where we think, and by we again, I mean mostly the, the religious circles, that if you're in Christ, you're okay, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, God will smile upon you and bless you, but if you're not in Christ, then you're, you know, kind of in trouble. And there's, you know, it's, I saw a thing where these missionaries went to, I don't know if this is true or not, it may be uh, just a satire or just bringing to light how kind of ridiculous this sounds. But the idea was these missionaries went to this kind of uh, foreign, isolated area to tell the people about Jesus. And the people were asking, what, okay, so what happens if if we accept your God and what happens if we don't? And the missionaries told him, well, if you accept, accept Jesus, you can go to heaven. And if you don't, you will have to go to hell. And uh, they asked, well, what about people who don't know about Jesus, who have never heard about him? And the missionaries kind of thought about it a little bit. And they were like, well, God has a special grace for them. So if, if you never had a chance to hear about him, then he's not going to punish you for that. And the, the indigenous people were like, well, then why did you come and tell us? And to me, that's kind of how crazy the idea of we have to accept Jesus as our personal savior or else sounds because it's like we, we're telling people to uh, that Jesus will protect them from what Jesus is going to do to them if they don't accept him. And that doesn't make sense to me. That's ludicrous to me. To me, that's kind of the same idea of Jesus protecting us from his father on the cross. This idea that God had to kill somebody and he was going to kill humanity, but then Jesus stepped in and stopped him and said, "If no, no, if you have to kill somebody, you can kill me and, and we can spare humanity. That's not it. That's, that's not it. To me, that's none of it. So to me, it's important that we talk about this idea of what it means to be in Christ and uh, how we get there, or rather how we got there and how we uh, dwell there or live there or experience that idea of being in Christ. And the first verse I'm going to read is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I want to read it in both the King James and the New Living Translation. And in the King James it reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And again, you know that I've ranted on this before, that phrase, all things are become new. It's the perfect present tense, which means all things 
have become new, all things are becoming new, and all things will become new. It's the three tenses uh, of salvation that, that we kind of see uh, in other places in the, in the Bible where it talks about how you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. It's this, it's a, it's, it's something that has happened, something that's happening in you, and something that will be perfected as you come into that maturity and that knowledge. So that's why we don't always see things the way that God sees them. That's why we don't always see things the way that they truly are. That's why sometimes it takes a long time. And that's okay because it's a never-ending, endless, lifelong journey. We don't have to see everything right now. We don't have to understand everything right now in order to experience what God has for us right now. But I really want to hit this idea of, uh, of these very small words being very big and important. For example, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. And a lot of this doctrine that I spent the first five minutes of this rant talking about, the idea of, uh, well, some people are in Christ and some people aren't, I think it comes from, from that word, if any man be in Christ. But I don't necessarily think that they were saying, if you're in Christ, some are and some aren't. I think more it means in order to experience this new reality, this new dimension, this kingdom that we are now present and living in today, that it's an understanding of what it means to be in Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today for the most part. The idea that uh, everybody, everybody is in Christ. And I'm going to show you why in just a minute. But the idea that this if, it's like, do you know and believe that you're in Christ? Which to me is completely different from the idea of accept Jesus or suffer forever. It's it's more you can't experience and enjoy a gift that you don't know you have. You have to know what the work of the cross is in order to be able to experience Jesus's life in you to the fullest ability. So the idea of uh, being in Christ is simply knowing and believing what he did in order for him to live in you. Because to me, that's what it means to be in Christ. In order to be in Christ, it means Christ is in you. So uh, in the New Living Translation, it reads, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And in some ways, I almost kind of like that version better because when you look at it this way, when you look at it like, who belongs to Christ? Well, everybody. Christ chose everybody. He loves everybody. He died for everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus doesn't pick and choose. The Bible says in another place that he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't care who you are or what you've done. He loves you no matter what. And I heard one preacher say it like this, God is a stalker. He promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. He swore that he would be with you always, even until the end of, of the age. Which, as we know, again, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he's everything in between. So when we're looking at this idea of being in Christ, again, the, 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 the truth on it is Christ being in you. And that's what 1 Corinthians 15.22 in the King James Version reads, For as in Adam all die, 
even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So again, we're not we're not putting members only jackets on. We're not drawing lines in the sand and making divisions. We're not saying I'm in Christ and you're not because in Adam all died, but in Christ all shall be made alive. So we if we can eliminate that uh any kind of idea of who's in and who's out, if we can eliminate that idea and if we can stop with that, then to me that simplifies things tremendously. That simplifies things dramatically. And that's why I I always tell people, oh, I just like everybody because it's easier that way. I don't have to pick and choose who I like and don't like. I don't have to pick and choose who I'm going to give my love and effort to because I just give it to everybody. I just give it out wherever I am, whoever's around, whoever God puts in my road, that's who I'm going to love. And I think that that's what love is. Love doesn't come with conditions. Love is unconditional. So if you're picking and choosing who you love, that's not really love. That may be, you know, some sort of uh, degree of affection or some sort of idea of uh, kindness. But love is for all. I'll say it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that believing that allows us to experience that gift that we've been given. So knowing and believe, see, to me, it's let me tell you who Jesus is and what Jesus did so that you can know and experience who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Not to scare you into obeying a bunch of rules so that you don't go to hell when you die, but just simply so you can know what you have, so you can know what is available to you, and then experience and enjoy what is available to you. And here's really where I stand firm on this one. It's John chapter 12, verses 32 and 33. And it reads, And when I am lifted up from the earth, this is Jesus speaking, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Jesus was literally lifted up from the earth on the cross. That was how he died. And he said, when I do that, when I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to myself. See, to me, when Jesus was lifted up on the cross and he drew everyone to himself, he also planted himself in everyone. He gave us all the measure of faith, which again, you know, I mentioned every once in a while, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a rant on the measure of faith. We're going to get there. But stick with me because when Jesus was lifted up on the cross and he drew all men into himself and he planted himself into all men, that's when, even though we all die in Adam, in Christ, we will all be made alive. He brought us out of Adam and into Christ. He brought us out of Egypt and into the promised land. He brought us out of death and into life so that we can experience that life as we know and believe that we have that life. To me, one more time, to me, that's the key. When you know that you're in Christ, that's the difference between if any man be in Christ or not. I believe we're all in Christ because Christ is in all of us. We just don't all know it yet. It's like uh, one of my favorite quotes is, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who said, you know, he said, I destroy my enemies by making them my friends. We always have this idea of, you know, my people and, and those who are not my people. And we always have this idea of what side we're on. And, and we always want to fight things, you know, again, especially in religious circles, especially with the religious folk, they always want to fight to get the sin out of the camp or 
to uh, to scare people stray or to make people conform to what they think Jesus or or a quote unquote good Christian is supposed to look like. And I really don't like any of that stuff. I don't like the idea of trying to make somebody fit into a box in order to uh, quote unquote save them because we're all unique individuals. We're all different people. We shouldn't be judging one another by appearance. Jesus said, judge not by appearance, but judge righteous judgment. The only way we should judge people is by telling them the judgment that came from the king. And that judgment is not a death sentence. It's a life sentence. It's an eternal, everlasting, abundant, resurrection, life sentence. God's judgment was not to kill his only begotten son. That's what man did. Man decided to do that. God's judgment was to raise Jesus from the dead three days later to bring him back to life and to show what love and life and light is all about. So that Jesus, and again, us in him, him in us, so that we could walk in newness of life, so that we could experience Jesus's life as he lives it in us and through us and as us. So when he was uh, lifted up on the cross and he drew all men into himself and he planted himself into all men, that's when the old life was gone and the new life began. That's when he proved to us that we belong to him or he proved to us that we are in him one more time because he is in us. So let me read Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. It says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And I want to read this verse because it's the idea of when it says putting on here, we have this idea of, well, I don't always have the armor of God on, but I guess I can put it on. Uh, And remember, I think it was last week when we talked about David and we talked about how uh, Saul's armor wouldn't fit on him. And when we talked about how he took Goliath's armor and, uh, you know, hid it in his tent or stored it in his tent, we all feel naked sometimes. We feel vulnerable. We feel defenseless. Uh, you know that show. Uh, I don't know if it's still on or not, but it, it, it was on at least, you know, for a couple of years uh, called Naked and Afraid. I feel like that's how we go through our lives a lot of times. We're, we're so uh anxious and indecisive and we don't know what's going to happen and we, and we always think the the boogeyman is so big and so strong that we'll never be able to defeat him but in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 that phrase put on in front of all the ar- all of God's armor it's number 1746 in Strong's Greek concordance and it means in the sense of sinking into a garment You're not putting the garment on, you're sinking into it. You're getting comfortable in it. You're wearing it a lot so that it feels like a second skin to you. So that you don't have to uh, break glass in case of emergency. You don't have to say, oh no, I didn't know this battle was coming. I have to hurry up and get my armor on. You just simply, you're wearing it all the time and you're sinking into it and you're getting more comfortable in it and and you you don't even think about it. I think it's so important that we get to the place where instead of trying so hard to be a good Christian or trying so hard to be someone that we think we're not, I think it's so important that we just get to the place where we just do these things naturally, where we're so full of God's love that it comes out of us naturally. And the only real way to do that is to fill ourselves to overflowing with what he has already filled us with, 
to let him love us to the point where all of his love just bubbles up and comes out of us naturally without us even thinking about it. You know, again, uh, when, 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 when I was talking about how I just like everybody because it's easier that way, if you just love the people that you come into contact with, you don't have to use any brain power. You don't have to use any uh, stress. You don't even have to think about, well, should I love this person? Do they deserve it? Deserve has nothing to do with it. Love is just simply letting what's inside of you come out of you naturally. And when we have this armor of God on, we don't have to worry about all the strategies of the devil. We don't have to worry about how big the boogeyman is. Remember when the storm was raging after Jesus walked on water to get to the boat. The storm was raging all around the boat. Jesus was asleep in the boat. The disciples were freaking out, but Jesus wasn't worried at all. And when they finally woke him up, he was like, you guys should have handled this, but I'm going to take care of it because I love you. And he talked to the storm and he said, peace, be still. And so many times, you know, it, it seems like we want to tell God how big the storm is instead of telling the storm how big our God is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because we should cast our cares on him because he cares for us. That's not a problem. That's something good. I think we should always just, you know, let go and let God just give it to God and let him deal with it. There's so many things in our lives that God can deal with so much better than we can. But what I'm saying is when we get to the point where we know we have this armor on all the time, when we've sunk into it, when we're very comfortable with it, then we don't, you know, I kind of, uh, I kind of liken this to the idea of Captain America and his mighty shield, which he, you know, pretty much has on him all the time. And he uses it for defense. He uses it to attack. He uses it for everything he needs to use it for because he knows it so intimately. Like it's, it's, it's almost like an extension of him rather than something that he, he, you know, takes with him. And I think that's how it should be a lot of times with, with the armor of God or, or the idea of, of, are we in Christ? Yes, of course we are. So settle that matter and move on. We have the armor of God onto us and we put it on by using it. So let me read Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 to hopefully continue to help us to understand this shift that took place on the cross, where before the cross we were in Adam, and after the cross, through the cross, because of the cross, we are now in Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 reads, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus was lifted up from the cross, and we were, I mean, Jesus was lifted up from the earth on the cross, and we were lifted up with him, in him. He drew us all up into himself. So his death was our death. First we died in Adam, when Adam ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. He did. We did. Spiritual death. And then the second death was the death on the cross when Jesus drew us all into himself and died again. But Jesus' death had the purpose of bringing us out of death and into life. Jesus' death was the death of death. We were crucified with Christ. What happened to him from the point that he was lifted up from the earth and drew us into himself? From that point on, what happened to Jesus happened to us. When he died, we died. When he rose again, we rose again. And that's why we can walk in newness of life. That's why we can experience the life that he came to bring to us, to give to us. So let me follow up this with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. In the King James Version, it reads, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. 
So again, we see this idea of separation from God. We see this idea of some are in or some are out, but we see it through the lens of the cross. We see it through the idea of, but now we who were far off are brought nigh. He drew us to himself. He drew us into himself. And remember again, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone that belongs to Christ. Why would God choose some of us but not all of us? That never made sense to me either. Like, why would he create you only to shun you or or only to punish you? I don't get it. I don't believe it. That doesn't make any sense to me. In the New Living Translation, Ephesians 2.13 reads, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. It was through the cross, the shedding of his blood, um, the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection, that this unity took place. That God drew all men into himself. He brought us all into Christ by putting Christ into all of us. That's the whole point of, of Jesus' passion. That's the whole point of the cross. It was to make things different and to make things better. And my mom said a long time ago, she said, either the cross changed everything or it didn't change anything because we literally went from death to life. And that's the biggest change that can be made. And the difference between death and life is love. The Bible says in another place that we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren, because we love each other. Love is life. To live is to love, and to love is to live. You can't have one without the other, and you can't do one without the other. So when we're talking about being in Christ, what that really means, and again, this should be fairly obvious because, you know, God is love. If we're in Christ, that means we're in love. And if you're in love, that means you're experiencing love. And since love is giving, if you're experiencing love, you're giving love. You're not trying to hoard it up. You're not trying to get it. You're not trying to, you know, uh, how do I get into Christ? Oh, I have to follow these rules. I have to be this kind of person. I have to do this, this, and this. No, that's not it at all. You're in Christ because Christ is in you. You're in love because love is in you. The, the, the new commandment for the new man even says, love one another as Jesus has loved you. The Bible says in another place that we love because he first loved us. You can't give what you don't have, and you can only give what you do have. So when we're talking about being in Christ, that's not something that we could do. That's not something that we could make happen. That's something that only Christ could do and something only Christ could make happen. And thank God that he did because we were far from God when we were in Adam. Way back in the misty garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to hide from the presence of God because they thought, oh, we disobeyed him and he's mad at us. But it wasn't so much that they disobeyed him and he was mad at them, but they ignored his warning and they brought natural consequences to themselves. God is not in the punishing business. Anytime you see in the Old Testament, listen, the Old Testament God is seen without the Holy Spirit and it's seen very much through the lens of uh, one of my teachers once said it like this. He said, yes, I believe in God, but I don't believe that God created man. I believe that man created God. I don't believe we were created in God's image. I believe God was created in our image. And in a very large part, that's how the Old Testament is. The people could only relate to God 
through themselves, through their own image, through what they knew and understood. They didn't know what he looked like, so they made him look like themselves. And that's why the Old Testament God seems to be so fickle and so angry and, and so much more human than Jesus. And then when Jesus comes, he tells Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, this is what God looks like. This is who God is. A human being full of love who loves people no matter what. Really, the only time that Jesus got upset ever in in, in his whole story was, you know, when, when he kicked the tables over, the money changers tables, because they had perverted his father's house. And every other time anybody was caught in sin or any other time anybody uh, wasn't doing the right thing, Jesus had mercy and compassion for them. That's who God is. God is love. God is mercy. God is compassion. God is forgiveness. He's all of these good things. If you read the love chapter in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, that's just simply a personality profile of Jesus. That just shows us who Jesus is and what he would do in any given situation. We're talking about love not keeping a list of right and wrongs. Jesus doesn't keep a list of right and wrongs. You can go all the way through. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and it says God, I replace it with love. So I can really understand and, and, and keep this concept in mind. But before we run out of time, I want to read one more verse. I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 in the uh, New Living Translation in the King James Version. And this, to me, uh, again, I, I, I spoiled it right at the jump, and I've been saying it the whole time. But the reason and the way that we are in Christ is the truth that Christ is in us. So Colossians 1.27 reads in the NLT, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. That makes it so, that's so powerful to me, but that makes it so easy for me. So simple. Christ lives in you, and that gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. You don't have to be somebody you're not because you were created exactly the way God wanted you to be. The trick is, is to do everything that God puts into your heart to do to the best of your ability. If God puts it into your heart to do it, God will bring it to pass. If you include him in, in what you're doing, it's going to get done. Well, because how could it not? God never fails because love never fails. So if you have a dream in your heart, you know, go for it. Do that thing. Be that best version of yourself. Be that God version of yourself. Do whatever it is that's in your heart. Do it with love. Do it with maximum effort. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it heartily. I love that idea of doing things heartily from the heart because God put it in your heart and to the best of your ability. Because if you're doing things heartily, if you're letting your heart lead you and guide you, then you can't go wrong. And listen, things won't always work out the way you think they should because that's just what life is. But you will be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You will be right where you need to be. And you won't have to worry about uh, whether or not you're where you're at or whether or not you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. When you let love guide you, you cannot fail. So let me read this in the King James Version and then we'll close it up for today. Colossians 127 reads, to whom God would make known what is the riches and the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And again, we've talked about that many times about the hope of assured glory. 
it's 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 not that you hope you get the glory of God. It's really what the NLT says. It's the assurance of sharing his glory. It's it's the revealed glory of God in you coming out through you. It's living from the inside out and letting Christ in you come out of you. And that's really, I'm going to say it again, in order to quote unquote be in Christ, all you have to do is let the Christ in you come flowing out of you. All you have to do is accept and realize and experience the love of God that's in you by receiving it and releasing it, by giving it away, by sharing it. And there's nothing more you know, righteous, there's nothing more holy, there's nothing more important that you can do in this life than to let God love you and to love him back by loving the people that you come into contact with. That's what it means to be righteous. That's what it means to be holy. That's what it means to be in Christ. It's being in love because there's God's love in you. It's accepting and receiving God's love and releasing it. And I always say you receive it by releasing it and you release it by receiving it. Because I said it before, you can't give what you don't have and you can only give what you do have. So if you know and believe that the love is inside of you, that's when you can let it out. That's how you let it out. When you know and believe that something so big and so strong and so powerful is inside of you, you you couldn't hold it in if you tried to. You couldn't hold it in if you wanted to. It has to come out bursting through the seams. Light and love and life are too big to be held down by death and darkness and hatred. So, or fear, you know, I think, I think uh, the opposite of love is fear, but I'm sure we'll get to that too at some point. But for today, I want to close up by saying we are in Christ because Christ is in us. And when we start to understand what that means, that's when we begin to experience that new life that he has given us. So thank you for your time this week. Thank you for all your support. And we will, of course, see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because... I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, If you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, Um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it. Uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.